Welcome to the Nerdaplexi Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comic and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. Slinkies move like life. In one second, everything can change. So sit back, relax, and absorb the nearest glowing green rock as we dive into Meteor Man. Fine Man! (laughs) Okay, so this movie was released August 6th, 1993, directed, written, and starring Robert Townsend, also starring Eddie Griffith, Robert Guillaume, I don't know, Marla Gibbs. And this cast is actually so stacked, we're just going to have to bring everybody up as they pop up. Written, directed, produced by Robert Townsend. So it's a it's a Tinsel Townsend production. I really like that production company name. <laughs> Tinsel Townsend. Yeah, he's uh, made a couple of films. Probably the one that was the, the biggest hit at this point was called The Five Heartbeats. And that comes up a lot. That movie was so well received that a lot of these folks got on board on the strength of that and just the general premise itself. And the special effects in this flick also are pretty solid. And I had to look it up. And they're actually done by Industrial Light and Magic. One of my very first notes is that, wow, these uh, these effects are pretty good. He must have had some serious juice at this point in time because, like you said, the, the cast is incredibly stacked. I can't imagine there's money to pay them all what they're worth. Well, this one had a pretty high budget. From the numbers I'm getting, and IMDb is always a little sketch with that, but the number I saw was $20 million, which if you got ILM on board, if you've got all these actors, from what I saw, I watched a couple of interviews Basically, he called in every favor he could and just incorporated all these folks in here. And people came along on the strength of his previous work. And this is like a super group. I know that he wanted to have a Michael Jackson song in the movie. So he was like, you know what? Why don't I just give him a call? And then he calls up and he says, like, hi, I'm Robert Townsend. I want to speak to Michael Jackson. And then someone took down notes. And then a couple of days later, he got a call and it was Michael. And he said, anything you want. You got it. And if you find this interview, it's actually a really good interview. Robert Townsend does a spot-on Michael Jackson impression. It is very funny. Are you talking about Michael Jackson? That was a funny story because I called him, you know, I had reached out to him to say, would you give me a song for, you know, I, you know, like I was calling every favor in Hollywood. I mean, so anybody, I was like, can I get to Michael? And so I, I was like, I want the title track to Meteor Man. And so I'm in the editing room, and then I get this call. Hello? Who is this? Is this Michael Jackson? And I was like, hey, hey, Michael. How's it going? He goes, "Um, man, I really love the five heartbeats. And, you know, I hear you're working on this superhero thing. Whatever I can do, it's yours. (laughs) Gotta go. And he was gone. (laughs) And I was like, ah. And the, the MJ song is also great. Had me pretty hyped at the beginning. Do you know which one it was? Can't Let Her Get Away, written by Michael Jackson and Teddy Riley. Okay, there you go. The music in here is, honestly, the production value is very high. This is a well-made movie. On the mini beforehand, we both had said that we've never even heard of this movie. I knew it existed, but I'd never looked into it. I thought it was always, I thought it was any Murphy movie. I was getting this confused with uh, Pluto Nash. Apparently... Robert Townsend was a like a fan of basically everything growing up. He loved TV. He loved, you know, all kinds of media and Batman and things like that. And he always loved superheroes. And I guess at one point he was hanging out with his nephew and it was around Halloween time. And he asked his nephew, who are you going to be for Halloween? You're going to be Batman. You're going to be Superman. And his nephew says, well, I can't. They're white. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of started this brewing in his head. And he was like, OK, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, there isn't really a black superhero. So I'm going to make one. And it took a long time. But eventually he made other successful movies and got all of these folks on board. He kept pitching the idea until someone said, you know what? Screw it. Let's make it work. And he got this thing financed. So his big idea. So we got Michael Jackson on board, too. But he also involved a lot of other really prominent musicians. I don't know if you caught this on your first watch, too. I knew a lot of these faces were familiar, but I couldn't figure it out. But the gangs, the blood, 
are naughty by nature and the crips cypress hill also chris tucker is like the MC at a block party a little bit later. And Tom Lister Jr., digit in this one, Faison Love, LaWanda Page, John Witherspoon, and Chris Tucker would all appear two years later in Friday. So lots of three lines going on here. So anyhow, without further ado, let's get into this plot. We get some space effects start off. We see this meteor on a crash course with Earth. They look pretty good. They look hokey, but in exactly the right way. So we got a flame and emerald meteor cut to Washington, D.C. It's early morning and uh, Jefferson Reed is our main character, the titular major man, and his doc Ellington needs to go out. And my dude puts on a full suit to go walk the dog, which I thought was a bit much. He's classy. Very classy. It just really, he didn't have to come at me so hard. Like first thing he's up and in a suit walking the dog. Wow. Props props to Jeff. We get a nice tour of the apartment building as he goes down. Meet some familiar faces right up front. Mr. Moses, James Earl Jones. <laughs> That's the one. He's trying on new hair pieces. A variety. <laughs> Several wigs and hair pieces. The first costume montage right up front. Look, girls, y'all just going to have to wait in line. And he's got a bunch of vinyl, which is really cool. I really liked Mr. Moses's apartment. It was pretty chill. So Jeff is being set up as like this really nice guy. He's talking to everyone. He's got an ex he needs to get over, a plot line that is quickly dropped. But he's also in the hottest jazz trio in town. Delinquent on his rent. Yeah, he's not without his issues. He teaches at an elementary school with Eddie Griffin. He's got a lot of enthusiasm, but he's kind of a pushover. But yes, we get we get introduced to the whole kind of neighborhood. You go to the school, you see the kids. We get introduced to Jeff's family. His dad is great. I know Robert Guillaume from Sports Night. Which is my big touch point because I was like, man, I know him. Where do I know this from? And IMDb is like sports night. I'm like, ah, there we go. He's all over the place. But that's my certainly my touch point. We get introduced to all the family. And then we get our first look at the Golden Lords, the gang that is <laughs> troubling this neighborhood. Not quite headed by, but in the, here we get introduced to Don Cheadle with a standoff over Mr. Reed. Where he, Mr. Reed refuses to cross the street and he slaps the drugs out of this guy's hand and stomps him into the ground. Yeah, and the Golden Lords look... Oh my goodness. By God, the Golden Lords have an amazing look. They have dyed blonde hair, big blonde wigs, pet tigers, and they they have a chant. They're branding. <laughs> we find out, we don't find this out until a little bit later, but there's like multiple factions within the Lords, the best uh-huh. of which, oh, the, b- the baby, baby Lords... lords. that's a great later movie reveal though okay maybe we'll edit it out so uh, yeah we should definitely say if you haven't had a chance to watch this oh please stop right now if you can find a way i don't know where you'll find it but the library maybe but you got to get this thing look into it at least you've got to check it out because there's some things that you will not believe happen and we're going to describe them and like okay when we describe mine, I don't think you'll get the full effect. We couldn't possibly do it justice. It's so outrageous, but it is so professionally done. It really is this weird dichotomy going on of like room level ideas polished to like the extreme. I, I don't know how else to talk about this, but we'll have to get into this later. I'm not sure that this is a good, bad movie. We'll have to look into it. But anyhow, we're going to have trouble parsing it, I think, but we'll we'll figure it out. I think that's true. So Jeff's on the way to this concert, and we've kind of got everybody set up. Jeff's dad's a tough guy. The neighborhood's in trouble. The Golden Lords have got everybody under the thumb, and everyone else is afraid to act, except for Jeff's dad at this moment. He's got a gig tonight, but he's out of gas, and he has to ask his parents for money. And while he's asking them for money, someone breaks into his car and steals his base. It's, they're so big and so heavy. <laughs> I can't imagine trying to steal someone's upright base. Of all the things to steal, that's pretty outrageous. Where are you going to go with that? Anyhow, but <laughs> so Jeff's having a really bad day, but here's the scuffle down a dark alley and goes to see two kids from his school beating up and robbing a lady, like holding by the hair and just like whooping her. Here is where we get the big reveal of the Golden Lords in all their glory. Oh, we see them in their full splendor. The whole gang. <laughs> Simon, Goldilocks, Uzi, the whole crew. They've got I think those are the only three with names. <laughs> Digit is Tom Lister Jr. 
Uh, right. I think there's a lot. I think there's like a lot of names, actually. I know one of the little kids is Squirrel. Okay, so they've got all, they all have matching haircuts, dyed golden hair, jackets, and Simon's the big bad's affectation is a golden slinky. Picture if like if Cisco mm-hmm. formed a gang. That's probably what it would look like. <laughs> yeah, that's the level that that that's kind of the level that we're on. Or like the bad guys from a Prince music video. Make no mistake, their look is great. They do also have a tiger cub on a leash, so that's pretty cool. Jeff earlier had told a kid who got beaten up by a girl at his school to run and hide. That's the best thing to do. So Jeff is threatened here, and he runs and hides in a dumpster. And there's a great line where someone says, man, no one's cowardly enough or whatever to hide in a dumpster as he's in there. (laughs) And then Squirrel opens it up, and he looks in, and he sees, yeah, he is in there. But Squirrel gives him a pass. And lets him go. Oh, what does he say? He gets burned. He's like, you see something over there, squirrel? And he says, nah, nobody. Which I thought was pretty, <laughs> was pretty uh, a harsh burn from a child. He waits out the showdown yes. just long enough. He gets out of the dumpster in his white suit, still looking pretty fresh out of the dumpster. I mean, not too bad, honestly. No, all things considered, looking pretty good. And as he said, he's taking his jaunt and lo and behold... Uh-oh, what's that in the sky? What's that in the sky? What's that slowly approaching? <laughs> but a lime green meteorite. Extremely slowly. And I know this is clever, and uh, I'm taking the rest of the movie off, but uh-huh. it's, that's the it's just meteor cute. Mm-hmm. I said I was going to do it. You did. This is the grand reveal. The grand reveal. <laughs> All you folks, see, this is the this is why you got to listen to the mini episodes, so you can mm-hmm. kind of get this insider knowledge. You probably would have seen it a mile away. It was a it was a riddle we left for you. <laughs> you. It was that or a Don Cheed cute. Oh my goodness! There you go. That seemed too contrived. A Don Cheed cute. I like Don it. Don Cheed cute. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But yeah, Jeff is slowly pursued down this alleyway by uh, this meteor, which, okay. So it looks like he's just going to get hit. The meteor comes down. There's this brilliant flash of light and the smoke is clearing. And you think, as you would, that he's just going to be laying on the ground and be like, oh, Mm -hmm. what happened? Huh? (laughs) Not this time. Not this time. (laughs) They show him pinned to the wall. With a gigantic torso-sized meteor in him, he's burned to a crisp, writhing and screaming. <laughs> it looks great. Horrifying. Right. This is a horrifying oh, yeah. scene. This is as scary as anything that was in, in, in the Mouth of Madness, like the level of body yeah. horror this scene, as this giant meteor burns its way and absorbs into this man. The meteor is basically all gone, except for, uh-oh, what's that? A little piece <laughs> dribbled down the alleyway, and it is picked up by a homeless man. There's also a quick scene in the hospital where there's still a part of the meteor left as it, like, sucks into his skin. The doctors see it and kind of freak mm-hmm. out. Jeff comes to, and his buddy Mike is praying over him, saying, like, a, a full-blown, like, a prayer. And then immediately, an, a hot nurse, Vanessa, comes in. And Mike does a different kind of praying. I need somebody to talk to. I'm a friend. I'm worried about his condition. What time you get off work? P-R-E-Y. Aha, uh-huh, there you go. I see, I get it. Mm-hmm. Shortly thereafter, Jeff comes to. <laughs> okay. They cut to, I'm guessing, the next morning. And all the doctors in the hospital are there. Because at this point, they weren't sure Jeff was ever going to wake up. And they run some more tests. And they wake him up. Did you note the way the nurse was just just shaking the shit out of him to rouse him? Giving him a good jostle. <laughs> yeah. This man who's, as far as they know, has been burnt over 75% of his body in third degree burns. <laughs> right. She's lucky touching him doesn't slough all of his skin off. <laughs> yeah, because a miracle has apparently happened in the night. They cut the bandages off of him and he's totally healed. And in this moment, he accidentally brushes a brook. And we get revealed one of his first powers, which is automatic book absorption for 30 seconds at a time. This is done to great effect much later in the, in the movie, but he gets to try to dunk on the doctor. But once he gets to a point where he could really dunk, he completely forgets everything from the book that he had just touched. So 
And he seems to be pretty sure, like, ah, oh, it runs out. Like, he's figuring it out along with the the audience. He's kind of tracking it. I mean, he's, not, he's a smart guy. It's a funny scene, but uh, where he's trying to dunk on him and then it goes wrong. And I love that. <laughs> the people's reactions, the, uh, the crowds in this movie turn on a dime multiple times in each scene. They're, like, on board. They're against. They're for... Yeah, they're a very fickle bunch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we also find out that Jefferson Reed has the ability used to no real effect in the movie, except for maybe like one half of a scene, is he can see through clothing as well. But he can't see through underwear, which is fine. I'm not, this isn't me complaining, but that'll probably be the parody pointer, right? <laughs> well, yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it meteor man. M-E-A-T-I-E-R. Meteor, yeah. Meteor man. Yeah, he's he's a meteor man. Ah, it just occurred to me. That's so funny. <laughs> he gets hit with a meteor and his ding-dong and it swells up <laughs> ten times. And it makes him meteor. Yes, there you go. It's a double. And he's a meteor man. He's a, me- he's a meteor meteor man. <laughs> he's gotten x-ray vision. He's like, oh, I-, I can see through people's clothes. So the very next thing he does is jumps into bed to page hot and nurse tr- Vanessa. Yeah. Which I mean, it's like, man, come on! You're trying to get us on board here. So you're like, oh, he's not—he's not a creep. Oh no, he really—he is a creep. He is a creep, but he gets his immediate comeuppance. A much older nurse comes in and he asks after Vanessa, and she's very offended by this and abuses him. No end. Probably what seems like the rest of that night and into the last day. My favorite line being, Come on, get in there with your hand, dead self. <laughs> there are so many good little character performances in this movie, and they do not stop. This movie, it feels... I, I, okay, what was the runtime? It was like a minute, like an hour 40, I think. So not too long, but it feels much longer because there's so much packed into this movie. There's like a little vignette Every five minutes is like an episode of a show. It makes the movie seem a lot longer, but at the same time, it also allows for a lot of characterization. You get to know whole swaths of this neighborhood, which is mm-hmm. which is pretty impressive in a movie that goes along this quickly, which shows that Robert Townsend is a good director, a good writer. He, he knows what he's doing. Jeff is discharged almost immediately. Medical mystery, forgotten. They looked at him once. <laughs> he's sassy. Yeah. Get on out of here. All the while, the Golden Lords are laying out their plan to take over D.C. and eventually New York. Because if I can make it there, I'll make it anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, come on, guys. So corny. (laughs) Um, This movie is really corny. Simon, the boss of the Golden Lords, is the weirdest gang boss. It's so strange. There's so many strange character moments and so many strange choices that I really can't really get over. Simon, he's like, he's at one point like really weak. And then like the next half second, he's like this huge tough guy. And I'm like, which is it, man? Like you're, you're obviously scared by uh, the Riddler, Mm -hmm. original Frank Gorshin. And then the next scene, you're like telling him like, Mr. Byers, have my two million in the morning. Bye. (laughs) Like. I don't know if you really earned that swagger at that point. You were like a big baby when he asked you before. And sometimes in the same scene, he'll be a tough guy and a baby, then a baby and then a tough guy. It's it's yeah. extremely strange. It's really weird, but interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a great character. I loved it. A wonderful performance. It was not predictable by any stretch. Not predictable and inconsistent are kind of two sides of the same coin there. Speaking of which, inconsistency, one of Jeff's powers now is apparently he can talk to his dog. In a weird, stilted, weird. kind of like robot dog voice. I'm starving. <laughs> and not only that, this dog can see in color. He said he wants to eat from the red can, and I was like, aren't dogs colorblind? I guess not this one. They certainly can't see red. Right. They can see like blues and yellow, but I mean, okay. So not only can he, <laughs> not only, not only can he hear and understand dog barks as speech, but. He can speak to the dog. He can speak dog. Through barking. <laughs> barking wa- wolves and whales. Pretty interesting. So, so far, a recap of his powers is uh, <laughs> he can see through clothing. He, uh-huh. and, well, I guess he can see through walls, too. 
Hmm. He can touch a book and have a full understanding of everything that's in the book for 30 seconds, at which point he completely forgets everything. It's gone. And he can talk to dogs. Starting out strong. Now, at this point, I think I feel like the time code of the movie at this point, this is this is 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So this movie is jam-packed, and it never stops. It never relents for even one second. Okay, so he can speak dog. Eddie Griffin comes in. This character's name is Mike. He comes in Jeff's apartment. He's like a real Kramer. He just kind of comes and goes as he pleases. He comes in with the newspaper and says, Jeff, you were hit by a media. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because he has to convince him by touching a magazine and telling him that he knows the 30 seconds of Jets. And then we find out that the man in the alley, whenever Jefferson Reed gets hit by a meteor, is none other than famous comedian Bill Cosby. And he's got a piece of the meteor, which allows him to do some telekinesis. And, uh, you know, he's got all this power. But luckily, this character never actually speaks. Except in dog tongue. <laughs> I wonder if that was a note. If Bill Cosby was like, fine, I'll do your movie, but I'm only barking. I'm only barking. I refuse to speak. It has to be. That has to be a choice. There's no other reason you would have, at this point, Bill Cosby, American sweetheart, in your movie and have him speak not at all. At the time, we have to say. You have to say at the time. At the time. Well, that's what I'm saying. In, in 1993, this is outrageous and honestly credit where credit's due it's a pretty good gag yeah it is solid yeah and uh there's people fighting over the tv and the uh oh my god this dad yes oh yeah and they're talking about people playing the the hindinda instead of the nintendo <laughs> the hindinda wait and this is this is an argument that happened in my house, although because the Bill Cosby is in the basement, he's using his X-ray vision to see through the floor and watch TV, and the remote's not working, the channels are changing by itself, and the dad is like, you know what? I know what the problem is. Those kids were in here earlier, and they've been playing that hand and do on the TV and broke the TV. This is an exact argument that had happened in my house multiple times. Instead of TV, it was the computer. And instead of Nintendo, it was those computer games. Right. That has absolutely happened in my home. And it I laughed for uh, a very long time about the. I wrote down Mindendu. I have Hindinda. Um, the the, <laughs> the clip will out. They've been in here playing that Hindindu, okay? It's a great take. Yet again, this is another amazing vignette of like people, like this little comedy sketch. This movie is jam-packed. We got we got to keep going because there's so there's so much movie here. Mr. Reed gets a visit from the Golden Lords. Oh yeah, Debo. And later catches himself an ass whooping. Yeah, Debo whoops up on him. Damn! And then we meet Wall- <laughs> yep. we meet Wallace Shawn, who's a very small part, but doing his best Wallace Shawn impersonation is all I can guess. Inconceivable. <laughs> I draw some students slashed my mustache. <laughs> yeah, the kids are the worst though. They they do be like doing everything possibly bad that they can do. Well, okay, so they they set it up. They set it up because it's Wallace Shawn, and you're like, oh, well, this this guy is just like a total asshole. He's blowing this all out of proportion. And as it's happening, Jeff is using his X-ray vision to watching the kids destroy this man's things like right. an escalating nature. So it's like the movie makes like tricks you here. I think this is a misstep because I mean, it's a funny gag, but it also you're like totally against Wallace Shawn. And then you're like, oh, fuck, no, he's right. They're smashing this shit up. Yeah, the kids are definitely jacking this stuff up. And this raises a question of, and maybe not necessarily this scene, but it's a question of compulsion for his powers. Okay. Is everything he, if he brushes against the book, is that all he thinks about and he has to act on it? And if people, hmm. if people, if he, he's, he's seeing through everyone's clothes at all times, we're just not privy to that because he like, you know, he, he has his friend over whatever. I assume Eddie Griffin would be in his underwear if he is having to see through things all the time. It would make it actually pretty hard to walk on solid ground if you're be able if you're looking through it while you're walking. Oh, absolutely. These are things you should think about if you're trying to get a power where you can see through walls and stuff. You don't want to be able to see through that next la- just one layer cuz y- it'll definitely put a damper on the rest of your life. Well, yeah, if <laughs> you start peeking through that dermis, you don't want to get into that. 
no, I think there's something to that because when the X-ray vision goes off for the first time, it's because in the next room an orderly drops a bedpan, so it scares him. I see. And so his immediate response was probably, "What was that?" Right. And his powers allowed him to see through the wall. Oh. It was the bedpan. And then he just kind of couldn't t- turn it off. At the time. But after that, he's able to have a better control over it. He's not being forced yes. to see Debo in his underwear before he fights, that I should say. That is true, except he he is totally absorbed if he does a book, but we will get to that. <laughs> Although, I don't know. Yeah, the, the magazine is a little bit weird. The, the mythos is a little bit, it's, you know, fuzzy, but... I think we'll get to the bottom of it by the end of the movie, though. All right, then. Let's keep cracking. The Golden Lords, they show up again. They're going to finish the job on Mr. Reed, just as he's being released from the hospital from being beat up the first time. And now he gets to see more of the Meteor Man powers. Now he's transcending into superhero-ness as he, he like, fends off the guys, stopping the car with his hands. You know, he, he beats up the whole gang. and They run away. When he stops the car with his hands, I thought that was a really cool effect. They do it a couple more times later on, but when he stops it and then his hands are imprinted in the metal. I'm glad they did that a couple of times because it was pretty cool. Jeff immediately, I love this part where he immediately tells his parents and like kind of the whole neighborhood what happens. And he tells his parents, like, I hit with this meteor, I got superpowers. And he says, please don't tell anybody. And his mom goes, you just did that in front of the whole neighborhood. Everybody, everybody saw that. Yeah, there's nothing that I should have to tell them. (laughs) So he sleeps in the next day. He's very sleepy. Ellington, the dog, tries to wake him up, but he couldn't be roused. He had a big night. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's running to work and then gets absolutely blasted by the Golden Lords. They roll up and shoot him 300 oh, yeah. times. And he flails so wildly. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, for all I know, that might be what you do if you're getting <laughs> mowed down by bullets. But yeah, he was outrageously flailing just the amount of squibs that went off on him is actually pretty impressive and good on robert townsend because i'm sure he did his own stunts but he's fine he escapes the gang by yet again impulsively flying away a couple of good gags here like the flying the shooting the golden lords here it's all solid comedy there's a little peeping tom kind of thing going on it's all great i love it so far so good this is when it starts to kind of take a turn because mom and dad are kind of helicopter parenting his superhero-ness. Mm-hmm. They're getting him into all kind of shit that he doesn't really want to be involved in. But they are like super on board with him being a superhero, though. Almost uncomfortably. They've immediately taken to creating costumes and coming up with names. and They're never at any point worried about this man. Oh, you got superpowers. That's fucking great. Hey, you can solve all of our problems for us, huh? Also, he isn't appearing in Polaroids. Yes. One of the neighborhood watch meetings, Uh someone comes up to take a Polaroid of him, and it looks like meteor stuff. He's, like, made of meteors. Like, it's his jacket, but it's, like, just green glow where his face and hands are. Okay. So, arguably, that's not a power. That's just a side effect. There's nothing he's doing purposefully to jack the picture up. Yeah, I think it's the, the power, yeah. They come up with a name. They tell the whole neighborhood. Everybody's on board. But the Golden Lords are upset about this, and they whoop up an old lady. Mm-hmm. And now, at this point, you get Jeff on board. We have get a dual purpose, which I love, costume and training montage. Yeah, he's doing his try-ons, his flying. Some of the costumes are absolutely absurd, where he's got, like, Polaroid cameras on his shoulder, like, for uh, taking evidence. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. <laughs> I'm Meteor Man. Put that VCR down. I don't have evidence. <laughs> now I do. But then, that, <laughs> but then there's a, the, my favorite gag immediately follows the training montage where he like goes out to fly him around town, but he's afraid of heights, uh-huh. so he's only flying three feet off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> that got a legit laugh for me. And uh, speaking of legit, too legit to quit comes on the soundtrack and... Just a quick reminder, that is our second Too Legit to Quit in a soundtrack and our third movie with MC Hammer in the soundtrack, just to give you a feel for the era. <laughs> yeah, 1993 going strong. I do love that he's he's afraid of heights. <laughs> he's yeah. They cut to that a couple of times, and oh, gosh, it kills every single time. But there's someone else. There's like other people kept stepping forward, claiming to be Meteor Man. That's where the dad from Friday comes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he claims to be flying man. Flying man. Look beware! The flying man is here. 
this is where we get to see the Riddler. He's the boss of the international syndicate. And yet again, yeah, Simon here is acting like a little baby. He's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Which is it's a real weird energy. But they put a million dollar bounty on Meteor Man's head. Two million if he's dead. Because he's been breaking into these drug operations and uh, uh-huh. and tearing them down. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he comes up on the crack house and there's an immortal line. Get off me, crack boy. And then he says, Drug dealer people. Meteor Man's in town. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, and then in this montage... And then he blows all the drugs around. Yeah, and he gets everyone real high. And he brokers peace between cops and, like, a couple armed gangs, and that's where we forget oh our first sight God. of Naughty by Nature. And Cypress Hill. I got to get my props. Cops, come and try to snatch my crops. Yeah, he flies down in the middle. They all shoot him. He can't be shot. And they're like, maybe we ought to listen to what he has to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody put your weapons down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and the now you know we're, we're in a movie here because the cops do put down their guns first. Yeah. Okay. So then here's now my favorite part. My very favorite part of the whole movie. I guess Meteor Man is listening to the radio. It's like this neighborhood call-in show and everybody's calling and leaving their opinion on Meteor Man. And while he does this, Meteor Man, Jeff, really, at this point, takes like a old abandoned lot with like beat up cars and stuff and makes a community farm, which he supercharges and they grow these gigantic Willy Wonka vegetables. This is my absolute favorite part of this whole thing because everybody at this point had been pressuring Jeff to like fight crime. And I feel if left to his own devices, this is the kind of thing that he would actually want to be doing. The gigantic veggies, he wakes up the next morning and gives Mark a high five and blasts him in the next room. Yeah. Great stuff. This is a great movie. It's good. There's so much good stuff. And I don't know why it didn't occur to me until he supercharged those crops, but he's got way too many powers. Here's a quick recap at this point. He can see through walls and clothes. He can touch books and absorb all of their knowledge for 30 seconds. He can talk to dogs. Uh He can fly. Mm -hmm. When he lands on the ground, he's also, like, very heavy. So he, like, created a chasm in the road earlier. Uh Uh-huh. He obviously can do telekinesis. That comes up later. (laughs) Um and now he can grow. He's like a super farmer. I looked him up on a, I can't remember which comic book website, but it has, it lists his stats here. And I'll just read what they have here. Superhuman strength, super speed, healing power, flight, x-ray vision, invulnerability, laser vision, freezing breath. And now here's what I think you were looking for. Imbue fertility. Imbue fertility? In what? Anything? Big veggies. I don't know. I guess anything. Oh no! He could, he could lay that. He could lay that juju on it. He doesn't have this power, but uh, oh, healing power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, zoopathy. Yeah, that would be the talking to dogs. Can absorb a book's content by touch. They don't have a word for that. <laughs> they used to in school used to joke and say you'd sleep on your book and learn more through osmosis if you're like a dumb kid. Uh-huh. So maybe it's just like through. He's semi-permeable to the facts. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. This could have been a different movie if he had touched different books. That's entirely true. And that's a dangerous line of thinking. Well, I think that's your meteor man, if, you're, if I'm being honest. Right. He like... If he puts his dick on a book, you know? <laughs> what? <laughs> what book? In Meteor Man, I mean, he's obviously a scuzzy guy, so he'd have all kind of like, he's a Leisure Suit Larry kind of guy. Yeah, okay. So he'd have all kind of porns and stuff, so he'd put his b- on like a nudie mag or something and be, I don't know. Oh, he just puts his hand on a lady, and he knows exactly what she needs. You know what I mean? So it's like a what women want thing, actually. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, all right. Without Mel Gibson. What, okay, so can we, what's a good... What's a good um so Jeff Jefferson Reed. Oh man. Jefferson Johnson Reed. Needs Johnson Johnson Steed. Yeah, Johnson Steed is actually pretty solid. <laughs> <laughs> there's no beating that. And there's no use even trying. <laughs> Enter Sinbad. Oh, Malik. Malik. He's pretending to be some new age hippie guy, but he's scamming because his name is Bernard. 
and now is this this woman he's that Malik is with this is his ex his ex is that the what we're led to believe I have no idea all I know is Sinbad's having an identity crisis situation but it seems to be going pretty well for him He's getting in touch. Well, I I don't think it's a crisis. I think he's doing that in order to get with this lady. He's putting on a front. It's amazing what people will do. <laughs> I, that, that, I mean, that's that's entirely correct. I've known quite a few relationship chameleons. Oh, yes. Well, you know, now not to quite the extent Malik has gone here or or Bernard, but I mean, I think, you know, that's that's a relatively normal social skill. Everyone acts a little bit different around their different sets of friends you know that is not one of jeff's superpowers though because this dude is always standing out and okay so eventually we'll come to find out that meteor man's powers are finite which makes this next scene all the more galling or hilarious because we see jeff using his absorption powers to grade children's (laughs) homework (laughs) He's teaching six-year-olds. <laughs> he could have stopped another crack house. Yeah. But instead, he was like, I got to use this little bit of power to get through some of this grading. And actually, he's a substitute teacher, so I'm wondering why he's having to do any grading at all. Maybe a long-term sub. The point of the thing is that he's so into this process that the Golden Lords get the drop on him like crazy. Oh, my God. 50 people have entered a classroom without him noticing somehow. They just appear. <laughs> They just appear. And that's where you get the line. Slinkies move like life. In one second, everything can change. I have no idea what that means. Like, as far as slinkies go, there's got to be a better slinky metaphor for life. Like, it just keeps keeps going downhill until it stops. Yeah, whatever. Like an object in motion stays in motion. You can do like a physics kind of thing with that. Something. I don't know. but Anything anything other than what that is. He's tried to justify his playing with a slinky this whole time by using it as a metaphor for life. But a a very facile metaphor, if ever I've heard one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. A weird, valuable character because they grab Jefferson up because... Obviously, he's meaner man. He doesn't wear a fucking mask or anything. (laughs) This is the guy. It looks just like him. They know him. They've been Mm -hmm. in his house. But just then, Mike busts in and says, Uh, Did you hear? Just a few minutes ago, Media Man destroyed another crack house. It's on the radio. And Simon, the the gang boss. The gang boss. The gang boss who already put out a hit for this guy. (laughs) That failed. (laughs) So he says... This can't be your guy on Mike's word alone. He says, I'm sorry. I was mistaken. He apologizes. He apologizes to a guy who he's just not one day earlier put out a hit on. And whose father he's put in the hospital. And him he's put in the hospital. And then he leaves. They all leave. He says, baby lords, junior lords. We're out of here. Baby lords and the junior lords. All of the baby lords and junior lords snuck into the room as well. And the baby lords, since I didn't want to get too far ahead of us, are exactly what you'd imagine they would be. They're toddler-aged gangsters. Like four? Four and five-year-olds, maybe? Ooh, they've dyed the hair of to make them fit the aesthetic <laughs> of the Golden Lords. And dear, dear Golden Lord, it is amazing. Oh, it's so good. It's so f***ing good. Oh. The hair was a choice of... Robert Townsend, he's like, what if, what if they had like weird golden hair? And then he's so okay. It's got to be something beyond the pale, something to make this gang stick out from a crypt or a blood, you know, something, something that makes it its own in-universe thing. And I could certainly respect that because it is a solid look. Well, Eddie Griffin here firing on all cylinders. He tricks them. They all leave. He gets a couple of really good ADR lines. This one is, who does the hair? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Eddie Griffin steals the suit from Jefferson Reed. He wears it to the mall to try to pick up chicks as a meteor man and uh, is actually pretty successful at it. But lo and behold, the Golden Lords got wise to this and they think they've got meteor man over a barrel because he's just hanging out at the mall. So that's when 
the slinky guy calls the Riddler, Frank Gorshin, who played the Riddler in the original Batman 1960s TV show. After he was just a baby, such a baby with him, like a scene before this is where he's calling and he's like, hey, get my million dollars ready because I'm getting the meteor man now. Like, basically. So Jefferson Reed also gets wise to uh, Eddie Griffin's stunt and he's trying to help him out by making him levitate and disabling every Golden Lord's gun in the mall. It's a real fun little set piece. I mean, a lot of the action here is very well thought out. Because Jeff is like floating him and he's using his eye lasers to blast the firing pins on all right. the guns, it looks like. I don't know what yeah. he's doing. But it's a fun little scene. The baby lords are in full force. Yeah, the baby lords are out. Everyone is looking. They've got their jackets. They're ready to go. It's like a, a rule. They like got into the safe zone. They went outside. <laughs> Jefferson undresses Eddie Griffith with his mind powers. And then flies away, literally in front of everybody. Nobody notices Jefferson Reed taking off. He takes off (laughs) not but six feet in front of like four people that were so geeked to see Meteor Man five minutes ago. And they don't notice this this dude who's holding the Meteor Man costume and flying away, who isn't the guy they were just talking to. The other guy who's now like butt naked. (laughs) There's so many of those kind of moments. It's just like, okay, well, it doesn't matter. Who cares? It's it's, that's that's (laughs) Yeah. They got out. Okay. It's all good now. Like you said, it's not like his costume is like super concealing of his actual personage. Anyone who knows Jefferson Reed would know that Meteor Man was Jefferson Reed. Exactly. And I mean, Goldilocks, the Don Cheadle character in Uzi. It's got to be a better nickname. I think that's for a gangster than Goldilocks. Yeah. I thought that was the name of the gang for a while, but then the the chanting and stuff and Baby Lords, that that put me back on track. But they shot him and then said like, hey, man, we shot this guy a bunch of times. It's Jefferson Reed. And then he flew away. Like, this is him. And nobody believes him at first. Now they're on board. The Golden Lords show up at the neighborhood watch. And it's very similar to the Wonder Woman in Justice League scene where they get all the neighborhood watch outside and are just going to shoot them all. Instead of Jefferson Reed, but he he does some quick movement and grabs all the bullets. Oh, man. And those were a real hoot, those moves. It's not the last time we see him, and it wasn't bad, but it seems his powers are waning because he caught all the bullets, but his, his palms are bleeding. Mike does some quick surmising here, saying that the, me- the meteor is, like, decaying. And they're all kind of, like, pretty lighthearted about it. He's like, well, you had superpowers for a while. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. But part of the the meteor decaying is that when he uses his powers, it really drains him. So he's totally out and comatose when the gang comes and busts into his apartment. And the international gang this time, too. But Ellington, luckily, Wonder Dog over here, and he doesn't even have a meteor at this (laughs) point, he drags Jefferson off the bed and hides him with some laundry, which I thought was a lot of fun. So the gang strikes back and then totally just wrecks the whole neighborhood Spray paints it all up, trashes everything, and everyone's saying it's worse than ever before. And yet again, this fickle crowd turns on Jefferson and says, you got to get the fuck out of here, man. (laughs) Yeah, that was tough. Which is fucked up because they were the ones that told him to do this shit in the first place. He never wanted to do this, and they made him do it. And then they're like, nah, you you fucked up. (laughs) So Jeff finally agrees. He says, okay, fine, fine, I'm out of here. He packs all his stuff before he gets the chance to leave. I have lots of favorite parts of this movie, but this might be my favorite, favorite part because the Gold Lords show up, block off the street, and Simon stands in the middle of the street and yells, It's not even an exaggeration. It's quite a long time. I think that was about as long. <laughs> Actually, they might be going longer. I hope we yeah, can sync that up. I certainly can. Jeff goes down to face him, but his powers are waning. He gets his ass whooping. The baby lords, their suits are so good. <laughs> They've got little blazers with crests on them. They're adorable, these little guys. But after Jeff gets his ass whooped, the basement man and his contingents of dogs, and which I love to see, the now much smaller meteor. This is great storytelling. Mm-hmm. Because it was huge, we knew it was huge, and now it fits in a coffee can. This guy's been using it, it's been Mm -hmm. drinking. And the whole neighborhood eventually, and the dogs, everybody gets in on the action. Mike has a great joke here. I wrote down Mike has another great joke, but I don't know what it is. (laughs) 
Well, I'll play it. We don't even be doing this, man. Look at all this black on black crowd. See, it was a good joke. That was a good one. <laughs> it was a good one. And then there was that other one where he says, Anita's bringing her girl. Says she's a 10. A 10? Uh-huh. Without a wee, she's a 6. I didn't remember that one, but that one's also very good. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Cosby drops his meteor, and then Jeff and Simon both grab it at the same time. They're like both absorbing it as fast as they can, I guess. And then a meteor battle ensues. And yet again, these are great stunts, great special effects. The fights all tell a story. So before they touch the meteor, Simon's working on Jefferson Reed. He's kind of getting some shots off. And Simon says to the other guys who were about to like jump Jefferson Reed, like, I don't need your help. Like, I got this. And then like immediately after that, Don Cheadle jumps him from, <laughs> from behind. So obviously not. But Pistol whips him. But then so he's got his gun trained on him. And what comes to to uh, to break that line? An LP comes flying in from from the window. <laughs> so you start to see that Moses. Yeah, Mr. Moses throws one of his beloved blues LPs. He could have just as easily thrown Herb Alpert and his T1 of brass, but he threw one of the good ones because it was more symbolic. Yeah, he threw Billy Holiday. Come on. Um, but you're starting to see that the community is finally starting to mobilize behind Meteor Man, and they feel probably pretty bad that they had forsaken him very recently. Yes. <laughs> immediately after asking him for help. But then he picks the gun back up because it's funny because there's like a 30 second scene like where it pans over to Mr. Moses and Jefferson Reed might as well give him a thumbs up and say, hey, thanks, man. But like in that time, <laughs> they don't stop Simon from picking the gun right back up. So he picks the gun right back up and aims it. And then one of the baby lords chops it out. There's a moment where... <laughs> the reason why James Earl Jones can't like duck down and hide is because it gets his head stuck in the oh, window. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. So Simon points his gun at him, and then one of the baby lords goes ahead and stops that, and he screams at the kid. You broke the golden rule. <laughs> but with real hurt in his eyes, Simon is like actually hurt. He's like, I can't believe you would do this. You would throw it all away. This is proud papa, but oh my goodness. But yeah, so now they've touched the meteor and there's a semi-superpowered showdown. At one point, Meteor Man gets blasted through a Mopal library and all these books go on the floor. He reaches down and grabs a Bruce Lee book and absorbs the power. And it makes him start howling like Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bit much, but you know, fun. It does prove on the point of compulsion. Like I said, in any one of those books. Yes. It could have hit him and it would have been bad. But the semi-plot hole that I had a problem with here is he is hitting everyone with equivalent force, seemingly. So obviously he can hit Simon with big blasts and it's not going to hurt him too much because he's had the meteor power juice flowing through him as well. But he's also hitting these other gangsters with what appears to be equivalent force, unless he's extremely controlled at that point. But if not, he should be blowing dudes' heads off like uh, Jason the guys go flying for sure, and if not, his punches are doing uh, extreme damage. Punches to him are extremely damaging. When the one guy, we get like a Black Knight moment where he punches him and it breaks his arm, and he punches him with his other arm, and he breaks that arm, and he kicks him, and it breaks that leg, and then he falls down and he bites him, and he hurts all his teeth. <laughs> the length of time that scene went on just made it so much funnier because when he fell on the ground and he like grabs him and goes to bite him. It was a perfect moment. And then the 30 seconds are off. And they grab another book. Here, I'm going to read you my notes. He picks up a modeling book. And my notes are a walk-off. Yes. It's a walk-off. I'm sweating. <laughs> yeah, I think the runway modeling bit was really good. But this is where I'm saying it creates that unclear addition to his power where it is compulsive behavior because... He throws it to the other guy. Yeah, right. He throws it to him to make him also have to do the walk-off because it's bad that right. he's going to have to use a walk-off as his only defense for 30 straight seconds. And when I was looking at the interview, um, this is the moment where apparently during the screening, the crowd laughed so hard that the managers came in because they thought a riot had broken out. <laughs> it was very funny. Incredibly shocking. And I think this is the first instance of a comedic model walk-off predating Zoolander by many years. By a decade. But then things take a tragic turn when Simon throws a dumpster at poor Ellington the dog and crunches him real good. He beats up Jefferson. Mm -hmm. In his victory lap, he tells all his gangs to shoot me. Yeah, and it's like he learned nothing because I thought that his plan 
whenever he went and tried to shoot up the community watch or whatever, was to weaken Meteor Man and prove that he can't do everything. So by making him bleed, he did that because he made him spend all this X amount of power to block all these bullets. And then I was thinking, then he asks people to shoot him, and I feel like that would have drained his power, but it wasn't really effective in that regard. Yeah. I thought the hubris would catch up with him, and he'd be one of those bullets would actually hurt right. him. A weird moment. A lot of squibs again. Mm-hmm. But then, okay, so this little interlude has given Meteor Man enough time to get his costume on. Because that's important. He comes down, beats up Simon Goldilocks, wraps him up, and then... <laughs> this, this, this thing is weird. So he sucks out Simon's power. And then he takes off all the baby lord's clothes? Yeah, I do have some issues with him stripping the baby lord. Because <laughs> <laughs> he takes off all of their clothes and then ties them together with their clothes. That was a, a bit too far. A weird moment. The baby lords are threatening no one. At the very end, Meteor Man, he's kind of seemingly won the day, but he uses extra vision to see that Ellington's ribs are all broken. He's all smashed up, but he's still breathing, but his power is waning. And Basement Man, as I was calling him. That's the safest way to refer to him. Bill Cosby, Basement Man, yes. Comes over and uses seemingly the last of his power to heal Ellington, the dog. And then my next note here is so many extras. There are so many extras in this movie. That has to be a a significant portion of the budget because there's the whole neighborhood is there, all the gangs, and then the global syndicate shows up. Mm -hmm. All their cars, all those gangs. There's a little standoff. And then through the power of unity and friendship. And Cypress Hill. Yes, and Cypress Hill. And the Bloods and the Crips are on the rooftops alternating a blood of Crypt, the blood of Crypts, to show their right. togetherness all side by side. Hands across America. They force the international gang to back away and the Riddler, they try to flee, but then oops and oops, the cops come. Before we go on, before we get to the freeze frame ending, St. <laughs> Brazil and Naughty by Nature's entrance into this scene. I don't know if you remember this, but they boost a car Fast oh, and yeah. Furious style through <laughs> This is the second time, too, because the first time we saw this was in Darkman, this very same move, them busting through. Extremely entertaining entrance for no practical effects, literally at all. That's pretty much it. They healed the dog. Everyone's kind of lost their powers. The street gangs are all there. And then the the cops arrest just those guys and everyone kind of cheers. And I thought, this is still a pretty tense situation, I would say. All the gangs on the rooftops with the guns, but... They've worked it out with Meteor Man. Well, we know that the cops know the hearts of the gang members now because they had brokered a peace. Oh, that's right. They were there at the peace, too. I forgot about that. They're practically deputized. Everybody's cool. Freeze frame. That's it. End of movie. Yeah, and ain't, ain't nobody bad like the Meteor Man. And again, inarguably, another great closing rap to just bring the whole thing together. You love a summation rap. And how could you not? They do talk about Meteor Man's powers and the things that he has done. It's very good. And then after the credits, how'd you feel when it said Meteor Man will return in the Spider-Verse, which I thought was interesting. (laughs) Well, interesting that you should bring that up. Before we go any further, let's head into the comic convergence. So, Meteor Man did get a comic book spinoff. Now, this it started as a movie and became a comic book, but it came out the same year, 1993, for the film. Marvel Comics produced a six-issue limited series where Meteor Man met, as you say, Spider-Man and Night Thrasher. It was the same superhero as Meteor Man, same all his powers from DC, and it looked kind of like Robert Townsend. And Night Thrasher... For those who don't know, first appeared in Thor 411 in 1989. And uh, he's a non-superpowered vigilante and the son of murdered billionaire industrialist parents with ties to the Vietnam War, who uses an advanced suit of body armor, firearms, and a skateboard to battle his foes and use billionaire resources of his family foundation to fund the new warrior's battle against crime and corruption. Now, this is not a superhero I've ever heard of. The skateboard accounts for the thrashing. I see. 
Yes, right. So yeah, how is he thrashing? He's I don't it doesn't say if he rides the skateboard. Well, he thrashes and thrashes. Yes, he's a skilled acrobat and aerialist, skilled martial artist and hand-to-hand combatant, skilled inventor and computer hacker and expert detective. He's just Batman with a skateboard, which is pretty solid. I'm okay with that. <laughs> but Meteor Man has appeared a couple of times in a couple of other things. Not any. It's mostly just uh, names or, you know, he's like in a scene, things like that. But pre- hey, pretty good. I mean, he made a movie. They made a comic of that. So Robert Townsend also works on a couple other superhero shows. He directed episodes of the Luke Cage Netflix show, and he worked a lot with the Black Lightning show. Who's a big fan of that. Now, Meteor Man will return. There were talks of a sequel where Mike and Jeff head to Las Vegas, I believe it was, where another <laughs> meteor had crashed. So they were um, we're going to go check that out. Unfortunately, that never materialized, but Robert Townsend said he would be uh, interested in having a reboot done. So No reboot, sequel. Oh, I would love to see him being yeah. the same medium man. Pretty good. We can pretty love much that. get the whole cast together again. It'll be a little more expensive now, I think. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But this one was pretty. Uh, for, for its time, $20 million is not a small budget at all. But that's what they started out with. Opening weekend came in with $2.6 million. Not great. The worldwide gross ended up at $8 million which is pretty tough. Also pretty tough is the critical reception. The Tomatometer is coming in at a measly 25% with an audience score of 36. Yeesh. That being said, from sources I've heard, this is kind of being rediscovered by a lot of people who are into the style and vibe. And I got to say, I'm kind of with them. I think those scores are not representative of the movie itself. I'll say that for sure. I think it's well put together. I don't think there's anything too glaring, but I mean, obviously it's hokey, just like any early 90s anything was, and it sort of doesn't escape the time that it was created. It's a great time capsule, but that's kind of its biggest weakness as well. Well, before we get into our final thoughts and what we're going to get into for next time, let's head into our penultimate segment. Who's your hero? Who's your villain? Let's start with villains this time. And honestly, I really liked Uzi. Bobby McGee as Uzi. I thought he was pretty good. And Don Cheadle did a great job. But I really got to go with Digit, played by Tommy Lister Jr., I think is my villain in this. Because he's great. He he tries to punch Meteor Man earlier in the movie and breaks his arm because Meteor Man's so tough. And then at the end of the movie, he gets so angry he busts himself out of his own cast, which is great. And immediately breaks glass with his hand. <laughs> he then goes straight at Meteor Man again and punches him, breaks that hand. Undeterred, he's still going. Punches him again, kicks him, breaks his foot. That determination, you can't beat that. What a character. My villain is Digit, for sure. My villain is got to be the baby lords and probably like just their parents are the real villains. <laughs> that allow their toddlers to get involved in the street gang. <laughs> their stylists would have to be my hero. Oh, right. So just as a quick dovetail, but the stylists for the gang, <laughs> man, those golden Lords were looking right. I mean, Michael said it himself. Who does their hair? That's honest. I mean, yes, because every layer of the gang, they're distinguished by their jackets. The junior lords have a different look than the baby lords, have a different look than the golden lords. So all the strata of the gang are immediately recognizable. That's a great design. Heroes. Let's see. Who is going to be my hero? Because like, okay, Jefferson Reed's that's pretty good. He's not great. His parents aren't that great either. If I was going to have to go that direction, I would still take it into real life and say that Robert Townsend is, is a true hero for being in touch with every piece of this movie and it not turning out too bad, all things considered. Yeah, honestly. Gathering that cast, gathering that soundtrack. I mean, that can't, that's not easy work. This is a very well-constructed movie. I'll throw that up to him, but in the short term, I'm going to go with Ellington the dog. <laughs> Pound for pound, he's really doing the most work. He woke him up for work. He was able to hide him. He never had any superpowers. He didn't even get charged up by the meteor powers until way later. So that's just all on. He didn't even seem to think it was very strange that his owner was able to start 
communicating with him. Yeah, he was pretty on board the whole time. So that's my hero. Sam, you're right. The hero of this movie is absolutely Robert Townsend. This is a great movie. I really liked everything that was going on here. It was well put together. The production was high. The music was good. The effects were good. This is certainly a passion project. And it kind of shows because there are choices and things that happen that no other person would ever put in a movie other than Robert Townsend because this is how he wanted it to be. And it's wonderful for that. Yeah, it makes for a very unique experience. It's the strongest suit and its biggest weakness. You can spend an hour and 40 minutes doing a lot worse things than this. Sam, do you think folks should check this out? I mean, you told them to already, but if they haven't. I wanted to uh, rebrand the segment as... uh... This is what I think of you, media man! (laughs) Which I don't know if we can use in any other movie, but we'll workshop it. That's a pretty good segment, if there had to be one. It's definitely enjoyable. I didn't at no point in time feel like with a lot of these movies we watch, sometimes I'm about 25 minutes in and I'm like, I don't care what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to watch it because I have to, but I'm not, I couldn't care less. And I actually really found myself caring like what weird thing they were going to do next because they kept doing weird things up into making that little junkyard into a fertile farmland apropos of nothing and then to no payoff no meaningful payoff in the movie later (laughs) it's not like they showed him like rebuilding farms like or anything he didn't do anything nothing it was it was so it never comes back up it was utterly pointless except for like one street had like a giant tomato for a couple weeks like (laughs) that's really cool but like why and i mean except to further illustrate the otherworldliness of his power but they haven't really done enough testing and i've I remember bringing this up on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 that the ooze was making, David suggested that the ooze making those gigantic flowers might be able to stop world hunger. And then I thought, you know, there hasn't really been sufficient testing on what the ooze vegetation would do to your body, good or bad. The same can be said for the meteor farmland. And these people were just about to go ham and start eating this stuff without having any idea what that might do to them. I throw my lettuce out when it gets a little brown, so... I don't know. If it were like glowing green, I don't know if I'm eating it. I don't know if I'm going to eat a cherry tomato the size of a beach ball. I don't know. You have to assume there's some carcinogenic quality to something that could have been supercharged and grown in a day. I mean, these things are crazy. These things are huge. This is like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids shit. Here's a question. I mean, this is we're, we're in Tangent City now, but I think it's okay. If they planted those big old seeds... Would they make more big old fruit or they or the radiation you think I think maybe the radiation would probably make those things sterile. Yeah, that's the thing. If I had to guess. We don't know where this meteor came from. We have not done adequate testing. Oh, that's a great sequel. Right. They find out. Maybe like aliens come down like some sort of green lantern thing and be like, You fucking touched it? Oh, you used the power song? Oh man, you're gonna be in big trouble. That would be good. And then he's fighting with it kind of like venom suit kind of stuff you know what i mean like the end of night of the creeps where the aliens have finally tracked down their experiment that they jettisoned at the beginning of the movie like 30 years hence Mm. so it's been now 30 years since this movie came out you can actually have the movie where the aliens have tracked down where their meteor ended up oh shit and then find robert townsend i don't know how old he is i'm gonna say like in a nursing home he wouldn't be that old right but (laughs) no he's not there you find him you know Whatever at at the Y working out, he's a uh, he's certainly an older gentleman at this point. I imagine if they were to ever make a sequel to this, I hope that man, it's like just super gritty, completely off the wall, like very serious flick. A lot of like very serious things happen in this movie, mm-hmm. but it's all kind of like lighthearted, and I think maybe that's the Simon of it all. I guess there's maximum levity. Yes, Maximum Levity is a great way to put that. He's 64 right now. Oh, he's like a spring chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could definitely whoop my ass now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm with you there. very little effort. I would love if we could make that happen. I think that would... Let's get that celebrity boxing match going. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I think I'll make her some great radio. Um, Yeah. Great tie-in potential there. We can really springboard that into our pitch for... Meteor Man 2. Who wants to watch a Logan Paul fight? A guy with millions of followers or Jake Paul, whenever they can watch Sam from Nerdaplexy box Robert Townsend from Meteor Man. 
<laughs> I have no formal training. I think that we can we can learn a thing or two at camp and uh, and really give him give him what for, you know. Hey, and at the end of the day, it's for charity. You know, we're just having fun out there. <laughs> Robert, hit me up. And that's what's really important. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's for a good cause. So, I'm guessing his wingspan. I'm I'm guessing he's got me. He's got me pretty well covered. I'm not a very tall man. He's five eleven. So okay. Um, Okay. Not, not not too much. So I mean, that's a pretty even match. All right. He's in my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, I think you're in the same class. Uh, not weight class. I guarantee I weigh like 45 pounds more than him. That'll help you out. You know, um, that's something to think about, and we'll put that into your plan. I'll I'll call up my trainer. There you go. Uh, Nerdbot initiate training protocol. You're going to eat lightning and crap thunder. You know what you are. That's a tomato. Get up, you son of a bitch. Because Mickey loves you. I'm finally ready to fight Robert Townsend. <laughs> Robert, get at us. We'll set up a date. <laughs> all in fun. It's all for charity. Again, I love your work. <laughs> Huge coming, fans. Coming from a place of serious respect and uh I, I just hope that we can get this thing done and uh you know make some money for the kids for the for the golden lords or the uh sorry the baby lords the baby lords we'd love to get you in that ring let us know <laughs> and let us know what you thought of meteor man over at our social media thank you so much for sticking around Please remember to rate, review, and uh, subscribe. Check us out next time for the next movie we'll be doing. We've got some, we've got some minis on the way, um, so we'll check the schedule there because I think this will be some holiday interaction. But the next full movie we'll be watching will be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. So be sure to check that out. Thank you so much to the cast and crew of Meteor Man. Uh, This is an incredible movie, and I really hope, if you haven't already, that you uh, absolutely check this one out. It's fun for the record books. Thank you also to our social media manager, The Face of Dave. You can find him at Twitter, uh, at The Face of Dave. You can also hit us up at Twitter, at, at NerdaplexyPod on Twitter. Uh, I am at PGH underscore Reed. Sam is at PGH underscore SVH. Hit us up next time for TMNT3. And until we meet again, I'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder. The top user review says, I wrote this story plot as a child in 1990. When I was in the second grade, we had to write a story. So I wrote a story about a guy that got hit by a meteor. The story was called Meteor Man. What is so funny is that I'm not just the guy who became a superhero, but the dig had become a affected by the meteor, and his name became Meteor oh, Dog. His name became Meteor Dog. When I turned in my paper, my teacher had said it was actually a good story. When it came time for the teacher to return our papers, she gave everyone their paper, but not mine. I had asked her what happened to my paper, and she said she lost it. What a coincidence that this story plot was written. Come on, I feel like my story was taken. In my story, I had said the guy got hit by a meteor. Sad that I have no proof, but it is okay. Uh, and you can send your emails to rubensaito555 at yahoo.com if you can get to the bottom of this. And Robert Townsend, I hate for you to, to hear about this this way, but uh, I'm, this is all the more reason for me to be calling you out because I think you took Ruben's story in 1990. You know, pretty big coincidence, maybe, but, you know, I, I, hate, I hate to bring that level of controversy to the pod because this is really all for fun and it would have been for charity, but now it's, it's to clear Ruben's name. Get him some of those royalties. Okay. That's the top review. <laughs> Three people found it helpful and five people did not. <laughs> <laughs>